0: from utrecht this is bitcoin explained sure why is bitcoin core 24 not released yet it's almost released
1: what are we waiting for but there was a bit of a snafu there was a bit of discussion about sbx i mean rbf aha the
0: discussion about replaced by fee that's right oh it's such a coincidence you bring that up because that's what we're gonna discuss in this episode sures exactly i thought, about, thought so. So yeah, there's been a long discussion about RBF. It's not the first time, but it definitely resurfaced now that Bitcoin Core 24 is coming up because there is a new future included in Bitcoin Core 24, as we explained in our episode about Bitcoin Core 24, which was two episodes ago. Yep. Episode 60, no, three ago, I think.
1: Could be several episodes ago couple of episodes ago so so we talked about how fast release candidates usually go through and uh, this time it took longer and the reason it took longer is because this feature was in there right well so this is the first time i think that a
0: bitcoin core release candidate has been delayed because of a future i think right because usually it's to find bugs but this time this was like explicitly meant to be in there but then discussion happened whether that was actually desirable
1: I don't know if it's the first time. This is definitely the first time I remember that there was a lot of discussion about whether something should or should not be in the next release.
0: After it was included in a release candidate. Yeah,
1: yeah. You, typically you, you want the release process to be pretty boring. So there is a release candidate, people look for bugs, and then there's another release candidate and people look for more bugs. But you know this can happen if if there's a feature in there that's controversial. Then you can have discussion over it. it just means that it's oh, not going
0: to be a release for a while. And by the way, I'll, I'll claim my. I was right this time. I f- I'm not sure. Did I mention it in the episode? I definitely mentioned it before the episode. I told you this is going to be an issue, and then you said, "Nah, it's fine," and then I said, "No, this is going to be an issue," and now it became a huge issue. Yours, I, I was right about this one.
1: You may have been. I don't remember.
0: I definitely. I remember very well.
1: Anyway, so yours. What's the future? The future. It's called mempool full RBF it's a setting and this setting what it does is instead of when you have transactions that signal replaced by fee you will accept those transactions if they pay a higher fee and if they uh, obey some other rules that were specified in BIP 125 and if you turn on this particular setting then any transaction that does not signal this flag but does comply with all the other rules from PIP 125 will get replaced. So the word "full" is a bit misleading. It's definitely more RBF, but it's there's still rules. You can't just replace any transaction with any other transaction. There's still some rules to uh, to apply there. Yeah, we made a whole episode on replaced by fee
0: RBF, so we're not gonna repeat what it is exactly. But very briefly, you can replace a transaction if you include a higher fee. Right? That's essentially what it means.
1: It has to pay an. A higher absolute fee and has to pay a higher fee rate and a few other conditions yeah we've explained it in episode 26
0: right so usually it's already possible now you include a flag in transaction where you basically tell the network look i might want to replace this later and uh, to be clear technically a miner can always replace a transaction right but it's just with this flag you make it very explicit and then nodes will also forward it to other nodes
1: Well, that's the main thing this setting does. It's about what it forwards and what it doesn't forward. So if you have a direct connection to a miner, then that miner can do whatever it wants because this is not a consensus rule. Right. And in fact, there's already a bunch of nodes out there on the network that run maybe a version of Bitcoin Nots or some other patch that already have this setting in there. So it's not really a new feature, but it is new that, that it's available in Bitcoin Core. It's off by default.
0: Right, yeah. So now it's a new option in Bitcoin Core and it's
1: off by default. How do you switch it on? You put a setting in your config file called mempool full RBF.
0: Okay, got that it. it. So what are we going to do in this episode, I f- I think I know. We're going to discuss what the mo- more recent discussion has been about, more or less.
1: Yeah, How- I think we're going to try and not rehash the entire RBF discussion that's been had historically, but maybe try to focus on the things that were new in that discussion but we'll probably get to some old stuff too yeah
0: and also uh, so this is one of these debates where there are kind of several arguments on both sides and then all of these arguments have counter arguments and then these counter arguments have counter counter arguments and then these counter counter arguments have like sub arguments and, and also and there's just arg-
1: six, six or seven whatever lines of argument that go in parallel right so you it, can talk about very different aspects of this feature and also of this discussion which we'll get to
0: yeah there's like all, all, all of the sub arguments counter counter arguments like there's also they, they can all be summarized by like a meta argument and there's there's a lot of sides to this discussion, and i don't we're definitely gonna m- Forget or miss some of them, but hopefully, we'll get the most important ones at least during this episode. Either case, we'll do our best. Sure, where do we start? Why was it included? Let's start there. Why was this feature included in this version of Bitcoin Core?
1: Well, because what was the original argument? Because there was a pull request, (laughs) but yeah, basically, there was a pull request that argued that there are certain annoying pinning attacks, which I guess we'll try to explain. In Lightning and other protocols that are multi party. So these could be vaults or, or even coin joints, perhaps. Yeah, sort um, of smart contract kind of stuff, yeah, right? And, that, and basically these protocols are being, the argument was these protocols are being burdened by some of the details of the RBF rules. And one way to reduce those burdens at least is to have this new full RBF option. That was the argument. Okay, hang on. What's a pinning attack? Well, this is where things get really complicated. And this, comp- this complexity is something we'll get back to because we are not the only ones who don't fully understand these things. But basically, uh, what happens is if you replace a transaction, if you want to replace a transaction, you have to uh, obey certain rules. And just the simplest rule of that is, I think the the new replacements can only be 25 transactions. Maybe it's 100. I don't know the number. But that could be the rule. So now, if you have a situation... I think it's 100, by the way. Could be 100. So now let's say there's a situation where I, the attacker, have created 101 transactions that are designed to annoy my victim somehow. And the victim wants to replace those by paying a higher fee. But unfortunately, the victim cannot replace 101 transactions because you can't replace more than... uh, So the victim cannot replace 101 transactions because they can only replace 100 transactions. So that class of attack where the victim cannot replace, even though they might have the fees, is called a pinning attack. And the other things that you can do is, let's say Wait, there's...
0: This is a very specific example of one particular pinning attack, then, I, I would assume, right? Yeah, the,
1: cla- the there's all sorts of ways that you're... Essentially, you're pinning a transaction that you want as the attacker. You're pinning that into the mempool. Making it hard to well, unpin it, I guess.
0: Right. So then in that case, yeah, as the attacker you wouldn't add the RBF flag, obviously, because you're trying to do it to annoy someone. But then if full RBF would be
1: Or you do. I mean the network- for the example I just gave with 101 transactions, you can you can mark them RBF, but when somebody then tries to replace it, they still cannot replace it because the one of the rules is no more than one hundred transactions
0: right but in that case the full rbf rule would not fix this would not fix this
1: no but there's other attacks where you can turn rbf off as an attacker so the 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 official specification of rbf of opt-in rbf says that if your parent transaction is rbf then your child transaction should also be rbf but that's not being checked that rule so now it's possible to create a transaction and then some, uh, the, the, the attacker would put a non-RBF transaction on top of the RBF transaction, and then you can't replace that anymore because the you know, the second transaction does not signal RBF. Wait, so And sounds... that one might be fixable with this change, right? Because then it doesn't matter whether or not the transaction is RBF as long as it obeys the other rules. Right. So in that case, it actually
0: sounds like the problem with full RBF... Wait, let me rephrase that. The problem that. with opt-in RBF. Or, mm, <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah. the The problem, I whatever problem we're talking about here, can be solved with. the The problem with full RBF in this case is that it's not RBF enough. <laughs> like there are still limitations to what you can
1: replace. Yeah. So, so, so in the, if the, if the you second could example I gave, you could actually full RBF would be a solution for that problem, because right. The so the attack would be you. Put it in a. Tr- uh, you put a transaction that doesn't signal RBF on top of a transaction that does signal RBF. Now this new transaction is unreplaceable, but if you have full RBF, then it doesn't matter that the that the second transaction doesn't signal RBF. It's going to be treated the same anyway. So now you can replace that one. So there are some things that you can you can fix with full RBF, but the example of 101 transactions you cannot fix with full RBF because RBF has other rules.
0: Yeah, okay, well, let's not dwell on this enough. Let's th- just establish that some types of smart contracty kind of things on Bitcoin would benefit from full RBF, or at least they would benefit from maximum RBF, which is a term used for even fuller than full RBF, where yeah, really any transaction that has an IFU would be replaced without any other rules. This, this
1: term may have been coined by Suhas Tour, I think his last name is, maximal RBF would be, like, if miners only cared about their f- financial incentives, that would be, you know, they would replace things in a certain way. But it's actually not that trivial to to really think that. And there's trade-offs there when it comes to... Sure. Well, what I was getting at yeah. was, so let's sort of
0: m- move past this complex smart contract stuff and how it can be attacked exactly. And we'll assume that RBF helps because that is at least what Lightning developers... Well, this Bing, is where, so where,
1: where part of the confusion started coming from. So, basically, from a Bitcoin Core point of view, there is a pull request with somebody saying, "Well, here's you know, let's enable full RBF because it it makes these pinning attacks less bad." And then it links to a bunch of mailing list pulls that contain very long stories about very complicated pinning attacks in Lightning that nobody outside of Lightning understands. So now, as a Bitcoin Core reviewer, you're looking at that pull request and you're like hmm, do I really want to read 15,000 pages of, of Lightning mailing list polls to decide whether this feature is good or not? So you might decide not to read those mailing list polls and just assume that they know what they're talking about. And then you focus on other other aspects of the discussion, but not that specific one. And- well, it is
0: interesting you mentioned that because that is something that came up in our last episode, right, with some where I mentioned, or we mentioned, that sort of Bitcoin development and Lightning development is kind of diverging a bit, it seems. Yes. And people that are interested in one or the other, rather than both, that sort of growing apart a little bit, it seems sometimes. So this would be an example of that, where, okay, the Lightning devs say that this would actually benefit their protocol. And then what you're saying is that a Bitcoin core developer might think, all right, I believe you.
1: Right. Well, in this case, those Lightning developers probably do understand the Bitcoin Core side of things on this aspect. But most of the Bitcoin Core developers will not understand the Lightning side of things. Right. So it's a bit asymmetrical. So there's a little bit of of trust there. So then you there's still other reasons why you may want to or may not want to merge these things. But one of the things that came back in a discussion now recently was, well, these pinning attacks are not really solved. So then should that pull request have been merged in the first place, given that it didn't really solve anything and it did piss off other people. So that's, I guess we can get to that. Yeah. Well, okay. So,
0: so I was going to f- go one step at a time. So first of all, at least it seems that full RBF would solve a problem for Lightning. Whether or not that is really the case, we can sort of park for now. But that was at least the initial assumption. Yeah. And then I think the second big assumption, or that's not even an assumption maybe, but is that full RBF is incentive compatible, at least if you look at, if you assume that miners want to maximize profits, they'll, in the long term anyways, include whatever fees earn them the most money right that, I so, think that's, so that's a, the argument yeah it's yeah.
1: more incentive compatible because it it doesn't require miners to not mine something that would make them more money in the short run yeah so as a Bitcoin core developer
0: you're hearing from Lightning developers that this would help them and then you're looking at the incentives and you figure well it's also incentive compatible at least on the long run so let's include it That that's kind of
1: I think that was most of the discussion yeah most
0: of the argument for including it anyways yeah Right. Okay. Does that include? So, have we covered the reasons to include it? We didn't miss anything here, right? Well, we may there, have missed
1: something, but I think those were the two, the two main things.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I guess you could maybe argue that a third argument. So, the third argument is maybe more about timing. So, this became part of the discussion. Like, even if everyone agrees that long-term RBF is incentive compatible and therefore probably unavoidable. You can still ask the question: Should it be included now? Should it be phased in? Should it be like announced that it's gonna be the default in a year from now? Like, how do you sort of make the transition from not having it in Bitcoin Core at all to having it in Bitcoin Core? Yeah, that that sort of. So, and I think
1: that discussion did not happen in the original pull request, and that's kind of what flared up afterwards once people. Found out that this pull request existed because, you know, just because a couple of people in Bitcoin Core decide to merge something doesn't mean that the entire Bitcoin ecosystem knows that this happened. It can take a while. It took several months, in fact, for some people to find out who basically people who rely heavily on zero confirmation transactions and who knew this, this time was coming at some point, but, you know, they may not expected it to be now.
2: Yo, what is going on, guys? We are proud to have Voltage as a sponsor of this episode. How many of you developers out there have wanted a streamlined infrastructure provider for your particular project? Well, I'll tell you what. Voltage is the Bitcoin infrastructure provider you have been looking for that makes building on Bitcoin quick and easy, whether it's Bitcoin nodes, Lightning nodes, BTC pay, and so much more. But don't take it from me. Just ask the guys over at Amboss, Sphinx, Podcast Index, and Thunder Games, and so many others that you guys already know and love. Their enterprise-grade products make it fast and easy to build, deploy, and scale your next project. So make it easy on yourself. Even Normie Plebs can use the dashboard or API. Don't wait before the next block confirmation. Let your team focus on building great products and let Voltage handle all the rest. Voltage is your go-to zero management Bitcoin infrastructure solution.
3: Come celebrate Bitcoin winter in Miami at Bitcoin 2023. The largest Bitcoin conference in the world returns to Miami from May 18th to the 20th. Head on over to b.tc forward slash conference to get your tickets today. Use promo code Live to get 10% off of your tickets before prices go up. If you're like me and want to gain a deeper understanding of what's going on within the Bitcoin market and broader macro environment, you need to subscribe to Bitcoin Magazine Pro today. There's both a free and paid version of this daily newsletter where our market analysts break down what's going on in the markets so you don't have to. Subscribe today at bitcoinmagazinepro.com.
0: All right, so why did why did the discussion originally flare up? Like, what was the original argument against what we just laid out?
1: So there are companies that rely on zero confirmation transactions yeah well i was specifically so i think it flared up uh,
0: it started with moon the the lightning wallet mm-hmm. or apparently not exactly a lightning wallet they first made the case that maybe not 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 right now anyways like let's do you and do you know the argument there
1: yeah so my understanding of the argument because i was not on the mailing list when that flared up but how were you well, I was on the mailing list, but the mailing list sits in a, in a mailing list folder on my computer, which I check once every three months or so. So I, I may be behind on some of the drama. But basically, my understanding of the argument is that Moon Wallet, or Moon Wallet, I guess, the way they handle Lightning is that the user sends an sends a on-chain transaction to the Moon server, and then they send a Lightning transaction to the final destination. And that itself might be fine, except that they're using an unconfirmed transaction for this in order to make it fast. So the risk there for the company is that users will make an unconfirmed transaction to the Moon server. The Moon server then sends the actual Lightning payment that is irreversible to the final destination, and then the user simply undoes the transaction and double spends the server
0: well you say simply but that that would be very simple right you you're using the moon software so i'm assuming well the, the moon wallet won't include the future that will allow that so, well, you
1: would, so so you would either just take the keys out of the moon wallet put it in some other wallet and then do it that way right or you figure out how the moon wallet communicates with the moon server and you just write your own software that does that and creates a bunch of fake accounts and does it with a lot of money. Yeah, I'm so, just
0: saying that's not simply for people like me, maybe for people like you, but it's it, it, I it's would possible. say it's
1: for people who are sufficiently motivated to do this. Yes, I agree. Now, the the way they prevent that scenario from happening is by not signaling RBF. So their transactions do not opt into RBF, which means that by default, if if an attacker tries to do this and they're only connected to regular Bitcoin core nodes, those transactions won't propagate. But that is still quite risky because, again, a sufficiently motivated attacker would find one of Peter Todd's nodes and just connect to those and then or directly connect to a miner if they can find it and start stealing it. So, So essentially, it's not very safe. But at the same time, it's been working. And I think they know that it's not safe and they want to improve it. They just were hoping that they'd have another year on the roadmap before they would have to do this. Yeah, for
0: context, Peter Todd's notes, by that you mean uh, he runs a bunch of Bitcoin Core notes that have a patch for full RBF, right? Yeah, and there's others that do that. Yeah. Okay, so at that point, the discussion really flared up, and that's when some merchants, basically, or payment providers, payment processing type of people started to weigh in. Mm -hmm. And I think the argument can be summarized pretty easily there, which is that. I mean, this is an argument we haven't even mentioned in favor of full RBF, which is zero confirmation transactions aren't secure anyways. They're just not secure. People shouldn't rely on them. You know, so full RBF, no RBF, flag RBF, it doesn't matter. You shouldn't trust zero conf. Right, but there's There's a
1: difference between saying that and then making the situation even worse, right?
0: Well, that's where I'm getting at. Yeah. So then, this this is one of these things where counter argument is a counter argument as a counter counter. Yes. So yeah. So then the counter argument there. The first counter argument is, well, that might technically be true, but you know we run a payment processor and we've processed tens of thousands of payments, and the number of double spends that we've actually seen is negligible. Like right now, there isn't actually a problem with double spends that's, you know, worth taking very seriously or the, at least it's very manageable mm-hmm. and then the counter counter argument as you mentioned is well, well no that's not the counter counter see now i'm cu- confusing my well, own Well, you can you
1: can go all sorts of directions with that counter counter argument you could say well but if you create an ecosystem that is too dependent on things that are unsafe you get a strong lobby to keep those unsafe things in and then in the long run it goes really bad right because you're you're building a really weak foundation, right, so you could argue no, we need to actively push more discipline into the system that's that's almost similar to the argument we had about the the lightning channel closures, those are so the lightning node crashes right you now anyways, the point being y- you just mentioned
0: something about sabotaging the network, right? Or, or which argument was that? Was that some sub-argument or counter-counter-argument? Well, the, 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 the argument, argument is you can source? tell
1: you can tell a company like, hey, your business model relies on something that is inherently insecure, namely zeroconf. You can tell a company that, and then it's their decision. Or you could say, no, 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 it's not their decision. We we're going to actively make them stop doing that. And that's you know that that could be an argument for simply deploying full RBF even though you have no other reason to do it. So if a pull request had been open to... And that that comes back to the Bitcoin Core process, I guess. If a pull request had been open saying, let's just enable full RBF for no other reason than to discipline these 0 companies, then that argument probably would not have survived the, the pull request process. But that's not the only argument, right? There's other arguments, namely, model might help with these pinning attacks, yadda yadda yada. All
0: right, so... Uh, Sure, as I mentioned, I don't want to dwell on the discussion about RBF too much, but just to sort of work our way through a couple of arguments that I'm not sure I've heard before real quick. So one of the arguments is that requiring an RBF flag in order to have your transactions be replaced is bad for privacy. Like it sort of reveals mm-hmm. something about the user and it can be used to, you know, analyze the network and maybe cluster transactions, that kind of stuff. So yep. if we can get rid of the flag,
1: that would improve privacy. It's that's just, one argument. It's another fingerprint that tells you something about the wallet, etc. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Exactly. There are also good reasons to maybe want to revert transactions. You know, a, an obvious example would be you sent a transaction accidentally. You know that that's perfectly well, legitimate. In this that case, you might want to you sent
1: a transaction audit accidentally that did not signal rbf yes exactly so that would only be a problem with wallets that don't do that by default but yes that's an yeah, argument. yeah well mm-hmm. i mean
0: or another argument this is kind of the standard argument i guess is we've seen in the past couple of days where so- suddenly the mempool fills up with tons of transactions and there's definitely people on the network that don't use the rbf flag just because their wallet doesn't by default or they haven't upgraded their wallet for a long time and now these people have stuck transactions
1: so it might make sense for them if they can just replace it yeah maybe Uh, though then the counter argument would be it would be strange to have a wallet that does not support rbf but that can somehow replace transactions that don't support rbf but anyway, th- I mean, they, they might switch to a different wallet just to replace the transaction, something like that.
0: Yeah, well, that's a good example. Yeah, yeah. there's the Peter Todd. Ar- uh, Peter Todd's argument is that right now a lot of merchants that want to prevent double spending do this by monitoring the network very extensively, which requires resource costs from all the nodes they're connecting to so in that sense it's bad for the health of the network
1: yeah so I guess the idea here is that the, the the fee bump transactions or the competing transactions could be in some corner of the network where they're trying to double spend you and you're in a different corner of the network so you don't see that you double spend so as a merchant in that case you really want to be completely up to date on the mempool more so than other nodes
0: yeah there's something Sergey from BitRefill brought up which is called the the, uh, the issue with the Free American call option. Mm-hmm. Am I saying that right? I think so. Which means a merchant that receives a transaction, if it's easier to replace the transaction, then it could have a problem if the price becomes volatile, because users might decide to change their mind about the purchase and sort of halfway just opt out. So even if you do, I guess. Yeah, what's our reasoning here? Even if you do wait for confirmation, then until the confirmation happens...
1: Well, I guess as a user, what you can do is you can send a very low fee transaction to the merchant, and then the merchant is just going to wait. Well, the, if if the merchant just waits for confirmation, then there's not really a problem. But if the merchant wants to give you the product early or something like that, then you might... Well, you can still you can already double spend, but I guess... That's why I mentioned the confirmation. Even if the, I guess the other thing is that might happen is that the merchant doesn't give you the product yet, but they might lock in some sort of price. So yes, they exactly. might, yeah. So they might say, well, we're not going to ship anything yet to you, like a gift card, but we're going to wait until there's a confirmation. But if there is a confirmation, this is the price you're going to get, which is still sort of a zero comp thing to do, but but slightly less so. And then in that case, yeah, the user could see, well, if this deal. You know, because the price is already locked in, if the price if the, the price moves in the wrong direction, the user can double spend it. That's and that would be that's already possible if the user has opt-in RBF turned on. But then the way merchants try to prevent that is to tell users don't turn opt-in RBF on. And that of course won't work anymore if the flag has no meaning.
0: Yeah. And that the counter counter sub meta argument there is that the merchants can also use child pays for parents. Right, anyway, that's... there was also something with CoinJoin, but uh, which also seems like it wasn't a
1: very strong argument because even some of the CoinJoin... I think the CoinJoin thing was just about pinning attacks. So there was a worry about pinning attacks. That oh, that's just the be same argument. That could be arguments. slightly reduced by having this uh, full IPF.
0: Right. Okay, well, so anyway, so we're rushing through a couple of the arguments and uh, some of them which I hadn't heard before. But I think the real issue is, should this have been included in Bitcoin Core? And now that it was included in Bitcoin Core should it be removed before release? That That's what a lot of the discussion ultimately sort of wound down to, right?
1: Yeah, and it was tricky because basically the discussion itself was holding the release back, but you also get a little bit into these power dynamics of once something is already merged, it takes more energy to get it out in a certain sense. Somebody has to open a pull request to get it out and somebody has to then spend the energy defending that pull request and so what ended up happening is somebody, or I think multiple people tried making pull requests to get it out. And especially the last attempt had a lot of discussion. And we'll we'll get to some other arguments that were we'll used in that discussion.
0: More arguments still? Uh, yeah, source? yeah,
1: yeah, for sure. Oh, my. But, but basically what happens is if you open a pull request and a lot of people don't like it, other people do like it, you get lots of toxic discussion on the pull request. At some point, you might decide, like, I don't want to bother with this. And then essentially, somebody can force a change or prevent the change by just creating a lot of drama, not even having any arguments, just the drama itself can be a factor that decides whether a certain change happens or not. And that, of course, is not a healthy development because that could be used to, I don't know, prevent a soft fork from happening or make a soft fork happen that we don't want to happen. Some other controversial change could just be happening because you're just making, you know, anybody who. So, so for example, maybe you sneak in some, some evil change in the code somewhere when nobody's paying attention, and then anybody who tries to remove that evil change, you just completely make their life miserable by, by making really a lot of drama around it. You know, that could work. Maybe not. There's, just, of course, other things that could happen in that case. Right. But here, I think it's it's fair to say that, or at least I think it's fair to say that the reason that full RBF is still in there is not just because the arguments weighed in one way or the other, it had a lot to do with the social dynamics of just making a lot of noise on any attempt to remove it. Okay, sure. you mentioned that was one more argument. And
0: I, actually, I think I know where you want to go with this. Okay, let me first bring up one point myself. So this is sort of my general philosophy when it comes to Bitcoin Core development or the Bitcoin Core release process or what's included or what's not included, I tend to like options. I think it's fine to give people options. I think it's fine to give users options. You know I think people should be free to run their own nodes however they want, basically. Now obviously Bitcoin core developers don't have some sort of obligation to include futures. But in this case it seems pretty obvious that if some Bitcoin Core developers think it's a good idea, some think it's maybe not a great idea, then I would say include it as an option that people choose. The people that will actually make that choice, you know, they're the people that are running Bitcoin Core and they know how to change a, a default. Like these are pretty technical people and I think they 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 they, they should be trusted to be able to do that. Yeah. Now what the default is that's maybe a more interesting discussion especially in a case like this I don't know where I would land on that discussion but including but that's not the actual as, discussion here so that's fine yeah. Yeah. including it as a default
1: in my mind that should
0: always be fine oh, including I, it as an option sorry yeah, yeah. including that as an option should always be fine so so
1: but, I agree with that in general but I can give you a different very different topic area where it's very clearly not so obvious so for example there is an option called I think assume valid which is the block where we you know which has been baked into the source code where we say you you cannot you don't have to verify signatures before that actually made that may be the wrong example but they're similar there, there's some options where basically if you provide a malicious if somebody gives you a malicious suggestion for that option they can steal your coins so i don't think it's true for assume valid but it might be for assume UTXO so for some of the proposals we say but so so you could give the user like, oh, just add this to your Bitcoin core settings and things will be great for you. Well, and, if you and, say
0: it in that voice, it's very compelling.
1: Exactly. So th- th- there are some things that you might be able to, that could be abused by making it a little bit too easy for users to configure things that would shoot them in the foot. So those settings generally are not in there. And there's definitely settings that are hidden in a way that you can only use them on test networks. You can't use them on the real network. So, as a general rule, basically, you should be able to configure whatever you want, but if it's a true food gun, then maybe not, or at least it should be a little bit more difficult so that you really know what you're doing. A question is, does that apply here? Now, initially, you might think, no, it doesn't really apply here. Why would it matter that somebody turns on this full RBF and, or not? And so this is where the last, I guess, attempt to undo this pull request came from, the realization by at least some people that Maybe this is one of those cases where it's not a good idea to give everybody an option because it could actually have some, cause some problems down the line that are completely separate from whether or not you think RBF is good or not. And this is, I believe, posted initially by uh, AJ, Andrew Towns, and by Suhas as well. As a follow-up on the Bitcoin developer mailing list, and the general topic was like, do we want mempool policies to start diverging? Mm-hmm. And what this means is that if if you run the mempool with one setting and i run it with another setting then our mempools are going to be different now there are some settings where this different isn't a big deal so for example if i set my mempool to one gigabyte and you leave it at 300 megabytes then my mempool is going to be bigger than your mempool but the the basically the top of the mempool so the transactions that are going to be in the next block that's going to look the same between us Mm -hmm. but if one of us turns on rbf and the other person doesn't it's going to be different now, what this means is that if you're a miner, you want to mine the economically most efficient block. Now you're going to have to connect to really to both of us because you want to see what the best block is in mining pool type 1 and what the best block is going to be for mining pool type B.
0: Don't you only have to
1: connect to the full RBF node? No, because they might have mutually exclusive transactions in them. Because I could... I mean, you'd have to come up with some esoteric examples, I guess, because in this case...
0: Yeah, I think the example there would be that a transaction with a low fee has very high fee ch- child transactions, so it's, it's bumped from the full RBF node, and therefore the high fee child transactions are also bumped from the high fee node, like something, this would be the scenario, something like this, right?
1: I, so I'm I'm not actually entirely sure about this one, so... In principle, at least, you know, there could be things in the full RBF node that are not in the opt-in RBF node, but it may not be the other way around. That may not be as big a deal, but still it creates some sort of split. And So the worry there is that there might be some settings where these kind of splits could happen and they could be worse. They might not be just in one direction. There might be things that people can toggle that work in both directions. That, okay, that so have,
0: uh, what what is the exact problem here? That a miner has to connect to multiple nodes? And yes, therefore... exactly.
1: And that comes back to like similar to the the argument of having things connect to lots of nodes. The miners would be connecting to lots of nodes. This if, if that goes too far, then miners would have to have a lot of connections to a lot of different nodes, which means it's more expensive to run a miner, basically. And revert, conversely, as a miner, you probably want to be very reachable to different kinds of nodes. So you might want to almost identify yourself as a miner, so, that all these different sub mempools basically that are out there all connect to you. And that's not good either because you want to have some privacy as a miner. So, the very long term consequence is that if you make it too easy for users to start choosing things somewhat arbitrarily that create different kinds of mempools, then you might end up in, a, in an ecosystem where mining becomes more difficult, therefore easier to centralize. That's sort of the long term risk. Now, whether this one little setting really matters in the scheme of things, that's, I think, very debatable. And so that's why maybe, you know, but but that was the reason why this last pull request was opened to say, well, we're worried about this scenario and we should think about this scenario a bit more. And so maybe we should, you know, do this this option in the next release while we have some time to think about whether this really matters or not. Yeah, I because guess the, the, problem I guess would the be counter, counter-argument
0: mm-hmm. there would also be that this is already a potential long-term risk because people can always patch their bitcoin core node or run something else.
1: Yeah, but they're much so, less likely to do it at at a scale that it matters for your for your revenue.
0: Maybe, maybe not.
1: Uh, but the, anyway, That's an assumption, then the, the hope was to have, you know, to not have two different versions, to have a version of a new version of RBF, maximal RBF or transaction version number 3 or some sort of proposal that everybody would be happy with at which point you would not have two different policies. You just have one and you'd recommend it to everyone. So the idea would be to to wait a little bit and not have the split. But you could also say these, these type of split scenarios are not likely to happen in the very short future anyway.
0: So it's, it's, it's... Well, you also mentioned you just call it a recommendation, and I would agree with that in the sense that a default is already a recommendation.
1: Yeah, as long as everybody sticks to the recommendation, then nothing changes. But... That also goes to the, you know, what is the reality now? How many people are going to turn on this setting? I don't know. But then you have people like Peter Todd who have tried or are now trying to accelerate this this new reality anyway by running a bounty program. I don't think we talked about that yet. Yeah, let's let's
0: mention mm-hmm. that as sort of last part of this episode because I've seen something about it, but I haven't kept up with that thread. Like that was another side argument somewhere in, Happening somewhere where I, mean, I wasn't one paying way attention, but there re- was a bounty program by Peter Todd.
1: Is yeah. that right? So one way to get to avoid the problem of having two different settings or you know two different mempools or or having this debate go on forever is to just make basically make make miners use full RBF at such a scale that it just becomes completely un, even more unsafe to to use the to keep the opt-in RBF version around. And so that's what he tried to do. I think he created an address where people can donate but also just puts some of his own money in and he's basically making transactions that don't signal RBF and pay like one Satoshi per byte and then he puts another transaction on top of it that pays $100 in fees and then basically any miner that doesn't run full RBF would be stupid in this case because they would miss out on 100 bucks. And then if you do that at the right time, so I guess when fees are very low but the mempool is full, so I don't know, some some moment when there's a strong incentive to, to snap up that extra $100, you can very cheaply create an incentive to tilt the ecosystem in one direction. Yeah, and he can do that. So and how is that going? I don't know. So I think... I mean, today or a couple of days ago, before we were recording it, the Binance decided to consolidate all their transactions, which actually filled the mempool very quickly. And then it's actually already trivial to do double spends. Because all the low fee transactions would have been booted out of the mempool. And you can simply create a brand new transaction with a higher fee. And it would just propagate everywhere. So that kind of interferes with the experiment. But I don't know what the stats are.
0: I thought the takeaway so far was that miners were not using full RBF. That's that's what I sort of saw from the corner of my eye. In one of the side discussions that I didn't really follow. But I think that was the latest update well, on that end.
1: My hope is that there will be uh, some good dashboards that observe exactly which pools are doing that and which pools are not which gives you some indication of what the odds are
0: yeah are you gonna make that this sounds like a job for sure
1: no I what I do is I go to projects like a mining pool ops or mining pool observer I think it's mining pool dot observer the domain and I go to the github repo and I make an issue saying hey we could monitor this and then somebody else Easier. gets really excited by that and does it
0: smart smart that's how smart people
1: work yep
0: Okay, yours. Sure, so I think that's it for me. Did we forget anything? Do you want to add anything? Do you want to tell our listeners something before we end the episode?
1: No, I believe uh, Bitcoin Core version 24.0 is coming very soon, TM.
0: Including the option to switch on full RBF. That was not removed in the end, right?
1: Exactly. And you should download that new release uh, anyway and uh, try it out. And so, uh, yes, thank you for listening to Bitcoin.
0: Explained.
3: Hey guys, this is Q from Bitcoin Magazine Live. Come celebrate Bitcoin winter in Miami at Bitcoin 2023. The largest Bitcoin conference in the world returns to Miami from May 18th to the 20th. Head on over to b.tc forward slash conference to get your tickets today. Use promo code BMLIVE to get 10% off of your tickets before prices go up. Bitcoin is for everyone, lefties, righties, and rejectors of the false dichotomy alike. And that is why the newest Bitcoin Magazine print edition is called the Orange Party Issue. It features articles by President Naya Bukele, Jeff Deist, Beautyon, Natalie Smolensky, Eric Kaysen, Max Kaiser, and Jimmy Song. Get your copy at your local Barnes & Noble's bookstore or from the Bitcoin Magazine store at store.bitcoinmagazine.com and use promo code BMLIVE to get 10% off your annual subscription today. If you're like me and want to gain a deeper understanding of what's going on within the Bitcoin market and broader macro environment, you need to subscribe to Bitcoin Magazine Pro today. There's both a free and paid version of this daily newsletter where our market analysts break down what's going on in the markets so you don't have to. Subscribe today at BitcoinMagazinePro.com.